right after this incident with the ruler that came seeking everlasting life, the Lord began to head in another direction. And the disciples were watching. He gave them a lesson on this danger of loving money and greed and prosperity that is fleeting, external, material. In the Proverbs, again, it says, surely riches will take wings and fly away. We can't take it with us to where we're going to live forever. So to put our stock in money and property and stocks and bonds and all of these things as a priority is self-deception. The Lord showed them that real prosperity is when someone comes to Jesus Christ and says, Lord, I belong to you and show me what to do with everything you've given me. I want to live for you and really follow you and then follow through with that commitment. And the Lord gave a wonderful comfort and promise to the disciples when Peter stepped up and said, Lord, we've actually done what that guy didn't do. He was hoarding his wealth and he walked away, greedy man, self-centered man. We just left everything, Lord. We didn't have much, not like that guy, just fishermen, but we left everything. Now, what are we going to get? Now, it's his question, at least in his mind, in this gospel. And Jesus answered and said, speaking to all of us also, in Mark chapter 10, verse 29, that whatever we leave and part with, because we are now following a different path, a holy path with a captain and a leader, we're soldiers in another army, citizens of another kingdom, and we're following the Lord. And in that pursuit, we're ready to dispose of anything that stands in the way between us and the living God. It has to be that way. For some people, it may mean parting company with family. We mentioned yesterday. That's how it is. Because the Christian has tried and tried praying and trying to give the word and it's not only indifference from the family members, not only hostility, but evil to try to harm and stop the Christian from following God. And that's dangerous. That's the point at which we need to draw the line and say goodbye. Isn't that right? If the devil's using people to try to stop you from worshipping God and following God. You have to determine whether your soul has any value at all, that you'll forfeit it for family, people, friends who are against God 
really want to stop you from seeking God, that's dangerous. But there are those who may not like the Christian message, may be hostile because they don't want to leave what they are deceived by, but they're not keen on trying to stop or destroy God's work. We can continue to pray for them and continue to reach out. We have to be aware of the traps. Now, in this case, there's no mention of Peter and the other disciples who were married that they left their wives. And this is, of course, as I mentioned yesterday, it's an inward detachment first, you see, because Peter, after all, he was in the house with his mother-in-law when Jesus came and healed her of that fever that was just ravaging her body. The Lord came in and he raised her up and she began to work again, minister. So Peter didn't abandon his wife. He was not some kind of religious fanatic in the sense that he just thought, you know, there's a voice calling me and I'm just going to abandon all my responsibilities. And for those disciples like James and John who left the father in the boat when Jesus came they didn't travel very far so it doesn't mean that they didn't have any kind of communication with the father there's nothing written that the father was bad but there's an inward detachment I'm ready I'm ready to leave everything and the manifestation of that inward detachment will look differently for different people. You see, for this ruler, as the disciples watched, and they were shocked that he would miss eternal life, and he looked so prosperous. He looked like a good man. What happened, Lord? The Lord said, it's because he loves his riches, he loves his money. And let me tell you something else. The Lord said, those who have a lot of money, it will be very difficult for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? They used to. The comfort, the convenience, the power, the control. And pride just wells up. And they said, well, who can enter heaven then? If Even the rich guy, the guy who's supposed to be educated and has all this power and control. And the Lord said, what's impossible with man is possible with God. God is able to to get that camel into the eye of the needle. Hallelujah. There's hope for those who come to Jesus, the great physician, and say, Lord, I'm sick and I, I can't heal myself, but I know I'm sick. My heart is not right. My spirit needs salvation. Lord, have mercy upon me. Save me. God will come to solve the problems. Hallelujah. Such a gracious God. We can take all our burdens to the Lord. And he'll deal with us in the best way possible. You can know that as a guarantee. He will do things and allow things to happen where all of the false things and the bad things that are a part of us that perhaps other people can't see. Maybe we can't see everything either. But God shines a searchlight and spotlight and he uncovers it to take care of it for us, to help us. 
Peter was told here with the other disciples that if you have that inward surrender where you value me, the living Christ, the Messiah, more than anything else because I'm God. I made you. You belong to me. And I have a plan for you. He's a good God. Is that if you have recognized the value of it, unlike the rich ruler, and you have actually detached yourselves inwardly in your affections from everything when it compares to me, I'll tell you what you'll get. In this life and in the next, you're going to have tremendous rewards. In this life, I will take care of all your needs. In the next life, you'll have everlasting treasure, everlasting life in the next world. Then verse 31 says, But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. What does that mean? People are looking. People who are looking to be number one. People are looking, who are looking to rise up, to be the prominent one, where that self hasn't been crucified and pride is there, and they have all of these notions that if I can get this power, if I can get that position, and you see that actually played out within the disciples just a few verses later, but the Lord said, if the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So we have to just humble ourselves and as we have learned in life training school, really disappear and let Jesus appear, be dissolved in him. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. We pick up in verse 32. And Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. The things that they've heard from the Lord, the direction that he was walking, Jerusalem is trouble for the Lord. That's where the headquarters are of his enemies. He was up there by the coast of Judea, it says in Mark chapter 10, verse 1, by the farther side of Jordan. And he was dealing with these issues, these people coming and asking about marriage and divorce. And then the disciples getting in the way, not letting the little children come to him, he got upset with them. And he said, the child belongs to the kingdom of God. These little children who are humble and they're believing, don't stop them from coming here. As a matter of fact, if you don't become like this little child, you won't enter heaven. He told all the people, including his disciples. Then he the children in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. And then that incident came up with the, the ruler. Now the Lord is heading toward that place of danger, Jerusalem. They were shocked at the statements. They have been also blessed with his promises. Then they get diverted and confused and they speak out of turn. And here they are amazed and afraid, but they are following. 
And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. God is on a timeline, you see. History is unraveled across a continuum that is linear. It's going progressively according to God's calendar. No matter what happens. The people desire evil, they get evil. But God's redemption continues to the remnant. People who look to God in the worst times and crises. When everybody says there's no hope, we're doomed. These people know better. They're a minority. They know Jesus is on the throne. And history will continue until he wraps it up. And he comes and takes over the whole world and recreates the world he was going to Jerusalem and he told them on God's timeline the next things that are going to happen the very mission for which I was born as a baby as we celebrated on Christmas that's where this is all leading up to trying to school them, train them, alert them. The cross is not just following me to get fish and bread and miracles. You're going to get attacked if you stand for righteousness because there's a devil who hates God and hates righteousness. He's full of darkness and murder and evil. But the Lord said, don't be afraid of that guy. Don't be afraid of him. But be alert. Watch and pray. Stay close to me. Follow my commandments. One day soon you'll reign with me. He told them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. Now he's free. They're walking around with him everywhere, to Galilee, to Jerusalem, to the other side of the Jordan, all over the place. But the Lord said it's for a duration. And so it is with us. He had to actually tell Peter later on. A time is coming, Peter, when another person will be taking care of you and taking you to places where you don't want to go. We have to use every moment of freedom that we have not just political freedom but the freedom as we heard the prayer from someone earlier the freedom to get up and walk from point A to point B the freedom to get in a vehicle and go a certain direction the freedom to go to work the freedom to eat the abilities that are associated with those freedoms what if everything was done to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ humble thanksgiving instead of being like a robot and saying well this is how it is I open the fridge I get food and I cook it what's the big deal I do it all the time it's because of the grace of God next time we open the fridge or cook some food or sit down to eat it we to say Lord apart from you I can do nothing thank you Lord for giving me your mercies Lord help me never ever to take things for granted we're human God knows that we get caught up in things we are busy but there ought to be times of reflection where we really stop 
and say, Father, none of this will be possible unless you loved me and gave me these abilities and freedoms. Oh, Jesus, fairer than 10,000 to my soul. Same Jesus was talking about his decease that was upcoming. He had to die for us. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. We're in Mark 10, 33. And the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes. And they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. It's more. If it was just condemning to death and putting him in prison and a swift execution, that's one thing. This is a painful death and preceding that was a great mockery, tremendous trial to crush the Lord in every way possible. Humiliate and beat him, whip him, spit upon him. That's what the Lord himself said. Can you imagine the Son of God saying these words to the people, to his disciples? We're going there. You know I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. I'm from above. God in the flesh. But they're going to they're going to handle me in a rough way. They're going to grab me. and They're going to push me around. It's not going to be just for one minute. It's going to happen for some hours. They're going to spit at me and mock me, humiliate me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to whip me. And they're going to kill me. We all know what pain is some more than others for sure. The Lord is talking about upcoming pain, pain like we can never imagine at every level. But he said on the third day he should rise again. And now, one fluid sentence there. He says, and, the conjunction, and the third day he should rise again. All these things are going to happen and he should rise again. Hallelujah, on the third day. We always hear this from Pastor Kerba. God has a start date and an end date for every trial, every affliction. Hallelujah. God does not take pleasure in seeing his children suffer. Then why is it happening? People may ask, especially those who are undergoing severe suffering. Job asked that question, but we know a lot more than Job. We've seen God himself come down, suffer way more than Job. To save us from our own misery. And there's a power of the cross through our sufferings. That we get associated with the God who came and suffered for us. There's something that transforms us during the trial and suffering. To prepare us for the glory. You know what God is interested in? For each of you, for each of us. He can't hardly wait to put the crown on our heads. He bore the crown of thorns so we can get a crown of glory. He loves us so much. Hallelujah. If you can picture a father or mother hug a little child with all the affection. Really sacrifice everything for this little child. The entire life is placed as people say, my heart, that's my heart, a child. They really have tremendous affection. God is much more than that. I have read 
And the prophet Isaiah, he says, Can a nursing mother forget her child? How is it possible? And he said, She may, but I won't forget you. I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Hallelujah. He's looking at us. He loves us. He had to go through this because he loved us. And he knows what pain is. He knows. I can cry unto my God. I know he will hear me. And I know that he will be with me. I know he'll deliver me. There's an end date. Now, typical of these disciples on quite a number of occasions, sadly, they're so dull. They're so self-centered still. You see, they left things, but that nature wasn't crucified. Uh, that hideous self that keeps trying to make themselves look good and get more, greedy. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him saying, Master, after hearing this about what he's going to go through for them and for the whole world, Master, we want you to do something that we're going to ask you. How beautiful and gentle. Surely Jesus is out of this world. He's a God that condescends. He comes down. And he bears with us and he loves us. So there are times in which he says, you cannot be like this. This is foolishness. You have to believe. Don't be hard-hearted. Oh, you have little faith. What happened? But many times you see the Lord just entertaining them, their questions. And he sees love and gentleness. He is surely meek and lowly. Telling them he's going to suffer and die. These terrible things are going to happen to him. They say, well, we want you to do something for us. What have you done for me lately, Lord Jesus? We know you're talking some things there. It's kind of going over ahead now. We saw the miracles. We like the bread. We like the fish. We like the healings. We're part of the elite group here. We're in the company of the miracle worker. People have to make way give room to us because we're with Jesus. Now, when he talks about suffering, when he talks about the cross, we don't know what on earth he's talking about, but we know one thing. We need more. I want to get more from Jesus. Give me, give me, give me. They said, we want you to do something for us, Master, Rabbi. And he said unto him, what do you want for me to do for you? They said unto him, Would you grant us, my brother and me right here, um, that one of us can sit on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory when you go back to heaven and you're right there in glory. I want my brother to sit on the other side of you and I sure would like to sit on this side of you. Sons of thunder. But Jesus said unto them, you don't know what you're asking. You see, glory and honor doesn't come cheap. 
Although the Lord paid the price with his own blood for our salvation, each one of us are told by the Lord expressly and explicitly. Anyone that wants to follow me, you want to be a Christian? You need to deny yourself. Surrender to me completely. Then you'll have life. There will be no competition between me and the human heart. He says, the next thing is take up your cross. All the suffering that entails a righteous life and hell will come against you. But you will prevail as you follow me. I've overcome the world. Don't worry. You'll also overcome if you follow me. And to get the glory, there's got to be a cross. They thought they can just ask the Lord and anything they want, and he'll do it for them. He was speaking the word. The word incarnate was telling them the word about the gospel. I'm going to get killed. That's why we're going to Jerusalem to fulfill what the prophets have written according to my Father's will. But I come voluntarily. I come because I love the world so much. I love you so much. And they say, well, we want something for you. from you. We want to have that VIP position, Lord, right next to you. We want everybody to know. I want Judas to know. I want Peter to know, his brother Andrew, Bartholomew, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, all these people. I want everybody to know that me and my brother are very tight with you, Lord. We're going to be up there beaming in glory. Please do it. And he said, you don't know what to ask. Can you drink the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. He's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about a path of suffering. And they said unto him, we can. Sure. If, if you're ready to do that for us, we'll do this. Notice what the Lord says. Jesus said, since you said you can, you will drink of that cup that I drink of. going to be suffering for you more and with the baptism that I'm baptized with shall you be baptized but to sit on my right hand and on my left is for God to say because he has prepared those places specifically for the people he has already chosen now, just the thought of this question caused the other ten to get very indignant with James and John. Verse 41, So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Don't be proud. Don't try to use this new path and journey in life that I'm giving you for your selfish ends. Be careful. Don't become like Lucifer. The devil. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you. Must be. A person who will serve you. And whoever wants to be first among you. Must be the servant. 
of everyone else. So contrary, isn't it? I've mentioned before, in terms of leadership and management studies, for a long time, it was always the person who is very bossy, to put it in simple terms. The one who flexes his power and tells people what to do and instills that fear in the people. That makes the best boss. But then the concept of servant leadership came in to the secular studies and they began to really take a serious look at it and now it's very common to find in leadership studies among secular people. People who don't even subscribe to Christianity. But it's a viable and important integral style of leadership. You win people over, your employees, by really caring about them as individuals and seeing how you can help them develop and uh, share in the things that they go through, come alongside to help them. Started with the Word of God. God Himself modeled that. The Lord is emphasizing this to them. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Just take me and let them go free. How true our Lord is. He said that in the garden. He came for me and let these people go. To grab them roughly. They had clubs and all kinds of instruments to afflict him. They captured him as a criminal. He said, I've been teaching in broad daylight. What is this? Everything was so twisted. Illegal trial at night, it was said. All kinds of things. No witnesses were credible. Even the Romans knew that. And how did he die? How did everything fall apart that they used to judge other people when it came to Jesus? Because the time had come. God is in control. Because there's suffering doesn't mean God is not in control. Because we're suffering doesn't mean we're outside of God's will unless we've sinned. But part of following Jesus Christ involves suffering and more suffering for those who are closer to the Lord and whom God is using, using to set people free. There'll be more. The Lord said, glory is going to come. There's a crown. So hold fast. Don't give up. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. To love people, to love the household of faith, to love, to give, and not to gain, like James and John at this point. Praise God, they changed dramatically, especially after they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It's a complete change. And for the change to be sustained, we have to be in the Word. How? Can I ever walk like Jesus unless I keep looking at Jesus? How can I imitate him? 
How can anyone imitate anyone unless they observe? You know, how can I follow someone's footsteps unless I can see where they're walking, where those footprints are? That's how it is with the Word of God. We need to anchor ourselves in the Word of God to know exactly the movements of God. We get acquainted with the way the Holy Spirit speaks, the way God thinks. And any time we're off course, instantly we'll know, convicted by the same Holy Spirit through the Word, it's not right. That's why there's a big danger for people who are not in the Word continually to run on emotion or past experiences and thinking they're okay. Meanwhile, they may be like a ship way off course, headed to another destination, not even know it. And there are others who are in the Word day and night, meditating on the Word of God, saying, Lord, I love you. I love you. Your love is so real. I trust you. And that's why I follow you. God has glory for us. The rich man that we read about yesterday, he threw away every good thing forever because of this one little thing called love of money. The Bible says, not money, people misquote that a lot of times, Money is not the root of all evil. God gave us the wisdom to come up with money. The ancients, instead of trading items, somebody had the idea it would be more convenient to have some kind of currency that is common. And so the world became filled with currency and how much easier it is to do business. And to have wealth, instead of amassing thousands of items and livestock and all these things to show, or to be established, to be able to have the leverage. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Because money has associated with it pleasure and power and people misuse it like that ruler he couldn't give it up God said clearly you can't love God and money you make your choice you cannot love the two and money denotes an affection for self because it gives access to pleasure and power. When a person cannot surrender money at the feet of the Lord Jesus, it's like they have a boa constrictor from head to toe holding them hostage. That's the devil. But God calls us to also recognize 
the desire for prominence. To look good, it's a curse of the fallen human being. It is something that we have to crush and destroy and say, I'll never try to push myself forward. Who am I? Dust. And what a deception if I try to push myself forward. If I want to look good, it has to be crucified. It's very dangerous. Most people, even Christians and churches, they don't really think much about it. But before God, it's a, it's a root of tremendous evil. Each one has to watch out for these things. The desire to look good. And why do people lie many times? It's because they don't want to look bad. But if we don't love ourselves more than we should, we love God the way we should, we wouldn't care about what anybody thinks. We'll do the right thing by God all the time. Jesus was training them. You see, when they were walking with the Lord, that's when their hearts were really uncovered deeply. If they just attended the Lord's um, preaching here and there by the seaside and on the hilltop, they wouldn't have their hearts really diagnosed properly fully to the point where they can actually develop and mature and be used by God in the extension of His kingdom. You see, the vessel had to become pure. And that's our privilege to be in the Word day and night today, these days. God will continually help us to see ourselves and see how to prepare for this coming year to win one soul to Jesus, another person who's ambitious. They say, Lord, this year I want to win five souls. Another person may say, Lord, Use me to bring 50 new people to you, Lord, into this temple, this church, where your presence is evident. I want them to have everlasting life and grow and mature, filled with the Holy Spirit. Someone else may say, Lord, give me four souls per day. Someone actually said that. And God actually met that. Of course, that person was totally surrendered to God. Totally. Endured tremendous hardship, but saw tremendous miracles in his ministry. He went from something like one soul a day to two and then four souls a day. Thousands were converted. Converted meaning they were delivered from the bondage of the devil with blind religion and atheism and Idolatry is set free from all their addictions, all the evil. The glorious life followed. Thousands of them. God is leading us in these last few days of this year to re-examine whether we really are seeking God's kingdom first and His righteousness. This word came into my heart earlier today. That's a statement from the Apostle Paul. He said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he said, 
I would like to actually go to be with Christ. It's far better. I'm in love with my Lord, my God. He's everything to me. I live and breathe and eat and sleep everything for Him. And Paul really meant it. He lived it. And what happened? He told the people he ministered to, I really, truly would love to go and be with the Lord. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of anything. But I see that you need me. I want more fruit to come to you. I want to be used by God to bless you more. How beautiful. What a noble heart. Is there anything more noble than that? He really wanted to go and be with Christ. But he said, but it's more profitable that I stay here for your sake. And I want to do that. God knows my heart, how much I love Him and how much I love His people. It's not that I love the people more than God. No, no, no. That can never be. That will become idolatry. But He loved God to the point where He knew God's will. He said, I need to stick around to be used by God to be a greater blessing to the people. Which leads to this point that if we really love the Lord, sometimes we can be caught up in this tremendous presence of God when we're praying or worshiping. There's an intense worship going on from the heart. And you can almost feel like I can open my eyes and I'll be in heaven right now. Just another step and I'll be in the kingdom of heaven. In heaven itself. That's how real His presence has become. But then we open our eyes and we see God has more work to do in changing us to fit us for heaven and so that we get the most rewards we can get because he wants to do that and we do the most good for his kingdom. Is that the priority? That's the question. Is our priority that to really seek God, to love God and do his will to bring the most people to him before we leave this life? beginning with family. Where's the passion? As I said yesterday, our heart can be like a pendulum. We can never say, well, I was on fire yesterday. God wants to know, that's good, but are you on fire today? Has unbelief crept in? Have you become casual to the things of God? You can actually tell sometimes by gestures and body language. Even in meetings. Not always, but Many times. Just how fervent a person is toward God and the things of God. By the decisions, by the words. Just how much they fear the Lord and love the Lord. It's evident. The priorities. What kind of language comes up? What kind of talk? What kind of agenda comes up before making decisions? Is the Lord Jesus... the leader of my life, we need to settle that. Total surrender. Total surrender. Total surrender. Not just yesterday, but today and tomorrow and every day. If a person comes to that conclusion and really works on that and really becomes humble and says, Lord, I, I need a lot of work in me. It seems the closer I get to the Lord, the more I see. Let it be. It's a thrilling thing because 
It's like the person who may go to medical school or some great uh, preparatory training for an important career. They may feel like I passed advanced placement biology in 12th grade and I'm really at the top of the class. But I enter into medical school, maybe a seven-year program, and I feel I'm at the bottom of the class. I guess it's time for me to check out. No, wait. That's because you're coming closer to greater reality of the things you need to know, the real world, the real medical world. So it is with the things of God. The closer we get, the more we see. But the difference is, when it comes to the living God, our relationship with Him, the more we see our lack, the more He can pour in. Hallelujah. And we continually find that God is sufficient everything we need for everything. And it keeps on pouring as we keep on giving out. Living for God and to be a blessing to others. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, you've led us in the trajectory, Lord. Heavenward one more time this morning. You are our first love. Hallelujah. Our delight. Hallelujah. The living Jesus, not some consciousness, but the living Christ. The real Savior. I thank you, Lord, for touching your people with your truth, Lord, that we can be what you called us to be. Everyone, as we heard last evening, so eloquently from the Holy Spirit. That everyone has a track to run that the Lord has put us on. We're all in the race, but in different tracks. I can't run in your track, and you can't run in my track. You're not supposed to, and I'm not supposed to. I need to come to the Savior. I need to come to the Captain to know what he has called me to do. To know that thoroughly and to follow through thoroughly in obedience. To get that crown. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray. Burn. Burn in us, Lord, more and more, more and more, Lord. Oh, Holy One. Hallelujah. That we're in another realm. Operating in the supernatural realm. When God meets our daily needs. When God meets every attempt by the enemy to try to overthrow us and discomfits him. Overthrows him every time. Because, Lord, you're leading us. Thank you, Jesus. You said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They're the children of God. Lead us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Lead us to green pastures, more and more, to still waters. Be with us to the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, anoint our heads with oil. The cups will overflow. Thank you, Lord. We want to ascend into that hill of the Lord and live with you, Lord, in your tabernacle. Blessed be your name.
Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Father, I pray in these last few days, Lord, each one of us really, 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 truly make it our aim to please God and close out this year having nothing that God can point out by the end of this year, oh God, as we're working on it, that has not been surrendered to the living God, oh Jesus. Help us not be ready to say, I surrender all, I've done it, but to actually spend time in the Word, Lord, away from family, away from people, at your feet, so we're not distracted. And if need be, cry, weep in your presence and say, Lord, I've not done everything you told me to do and I want to do it now. Please help me. We can enter into the new year not only with a clear conscience but with the promises of God that God will use us, use our lives to make a difference in this world for Jesus Christ. Lord, it's true. If we want the world around us to be different, we cannot be indifferent to your truth. Oh, Jesus. Let the truth cut us, Lord. And the same sort of the Spirit may heal us. Build us up to be real soldiers, veterans. that have scars to prove that we were real for Jesus. We have fought the good fight. Ready to receive the crown. Lord, help us to be on that path. And thank you, Lord, for the fellowship you've given in this house of God. To you belong all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.